Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Send the tweets, send the hot takes, at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N. Before I get into what I wanted to say about Jim Harbaugh, yep, I was right about the Patriots. I ended up being right. And I can't hear any of you, by the way. Where's all those crazy Patriots fans? That's amazing. They all went, they all went quiet. Ken, you're an idiot. Ken, you're this. Ken, you're that. Ken, you're fat. Well, one of those things is true, but I ended up getting it right. Only took the Patriots a couple days to realize it. I know the Pats are far from holier than thou, but they do not deal with your personal problems over football. It's probably better the Patriots act before the NFL, and again, later on, I'll continue to pound. Antonio Brown doesn't want to play football. You get that organization that is above winning above all else. They don't care what you do in your personal life unless it affects their football. And you still had to do it. You still had to send threatening texts to somebody over this last week. It's the dumbest damn thing imaginable. I really do believe, and Tom would be disgusted hearing this, but it's true. The NFL spent 10 hours with that woman. The the person who alleges the, the sexual abuse. You have 10 hours with that woman. I think the NFL was getting their facts. I have no faith whatsoever that they would have looked at this and probably said, okay, well, Antonio Brown has done something horrible and we need to put him on the, on the commissioner's list. I don't think they would have done it. I, I still don't think they would have done it. And it might have been rightfully so that they should have done it. I still don't have faith they would have done it. I think they would have wanted this problem to just go away. And I think that everybody wanted to let it go away except Antonio Brown. He self-sabotages. So I hate to crow over being right except Antonio Brown's an ass. So I have no problem with crowing that I was right. And I will do champion's pose for the next two hours because all those nasty tweets and all those nasty calls that I got from Patriots fans last week and all that nasty stuff I got when they signed Antonio Brown. Amazing. You're all quiet today. 855-2124-CBS. Today's a big day for Jim Harbaugh. They got to get going on the right foot against Wisconsin. I have never met a guy who has more excuses than signature wins than Jim Harbaugh. And I think Braylon Edwards summed it all up when he was on DA's show earlier this week. Hit it. We're light years behind Ohio State right now. My biggest concern, if I'm being honest, is I know the the pressure and I know the the respect and I know the first word I'm really looking for. I know the emphasis that they put on that Michigan game. 
365 days a year, they are breathing, living, hating. They can't even say our name. You can feel it on them. Like you can almost smell the hate when you play against them. Now, from our point, I remember interviewing Jim Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh, two years ago, and he said we approach it like any other game. And I looked at Brady Hope, he had said something similar. So that's not the way you approach that game. And I know it's cliche to say, well, you know, you you approach every every team like you approach any other team. That's BS. Like, you approach certain teams differently. We got to start approaching that game from the standpoint that they do. I know that, and more on that, CBSSportsRadio.com is a great interview. DA does a fantastic job. Braylon Edwards was good. couldn't be more right about what he said. What what Jim Harbaugh was trying to say, and for Brady Hoke's credit, I'm sure what they're trying to say is that we prepare every opponent like it's Ohio State, so it's like no other game. It has to be different. It means more. It's one of the most historic rivalries in sports, alone college football. You have to prepare differently for it. And what Braylon Edwards says is right. Ohio State has always been obsessed with Michigan always been obsessed with Michigan to the point they yell at me when I go, hey, you kind of need Michigan to be good because you want Michigan to be good because it means more when you beat them. They don't want to hear that. They hate Michigan. They want Michigan to crash and burn every year. It's an obsession. It's what makes college football fun. You have to approach it that way. But it just continues this conversation, and Braylon Edwards brings it up, and I think it means so much more. I'm watching USC last night, and I am openly rooting this year for USC to fail. I don't think Clay Helton is the type of USC type of guy. I think he's a roughneck, good, pounded-out, leather-ass coach. I think that he would do some great work in middle America. I think that if if it weren't set up where Kirk Ferentz's son's going to take over, you'd go to a place like Iowa, and he'd just pick up where Kirk Ferentz left off. Nine wins, ten wins, do a great job every year, would bring respectability or keep the respectability there with that with that organization, with that program. He'd do a great job. I think Clay Helton is a good football coach. I just think he's a, wasn't a bit over his head. And he's proven me, if we're talking about being right and wrong, proven me to be an ass. Because last night, they did a hell of a job. They're on like their 15th backup quarterback. They're playing at home in the Coliseum. A lot of people are down. You got people reporting earlier in the week that, if they go out and they get snuffed out by by Utah and they look like trash doing it, they're gonna fire Clay Helton, even though they don't even have a defense or they don't have an, a, an athletic director to, in fact, fire Clay Helton. They went out and they won. Look good doing it too. Good win by USC. Signature win by USC. And even though that kills my narrative of wanting Urban Meyer to get that job and stick it back to Ohio State and stick it back to college football just so I can have some personal enjoyment, more personal enjoyment with college football, that kills my narrative. I can't deny a good job, and that's a hell of a job by Clay Helton early in this season. You hope that they keep it going. Clay Helton already has one more signature win than Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has had more excuses than big wins over his tenure at Michigan. I look at Ohio State, and this is why you are behind Ohio State. I look at Ohio State, they hold themselves to an unrealistic standard. Big Ten championships aren't enough anymore. There was a time to win the Big Ten was the biggest thing going for them because you didn't have a college football playoff. There were votes. You would assume you would go to the Rose Bowl, even though there was a time where you couldn't repeat going to the Rose Bowl. Can you imagine that from the Big Ten? You'd go to the Rose Bowl, and maybe, just maybe, you might be crowned someday national champions. And over the last 20 years, and boy, they've had themselves their fair share of NCAA violations too. They've made winning the Big Ten old hat, they've made the expectation every year 
to win the national championship. It's with them. It's with Clemson, obviously. It's with Alabama, obviously. It's with Oklahoma. The winningest program in college football has gone into the back seat. The guy charged with bringing that back is Jim Harbaugh. I can bring up 0-4 against Urban Meyer. You were paid and brought back to Michigan to beat Urban Meyer in Ohio State. The reason that you lose to him is because you, quote-unquote, treat Ohio State just like every other game. I don't have to hear about, and I brought up Lincoln Riley last week about how it would be better for the game of football because it changes the conversation about NFL quarterbacks if Lincoln Riley stays at Oklahoma. He won't. He'll probably someday take Jerry Jones' money, but I'd love him to stay at Oklahoma, and I won't begrudge him when he does take money. He's he's got a family. What are you going to do? I've heard every single possible excuse for Jim Harbaugh known to man. And meanwhile... His program already passed up. He hasn't caught up with the other ones. He needs a quarterback. You got Shea Patterson. He needs a quarterback. How many different quarterbacks has Lincoln Riley had over the last three years? What did he turn those guys? Oh, yeah, Heisman Trophy winners. Hasn't he been to the playoffs? Yep. Nick Saban. Jalen Hurts. Tua Tagovailoa. Doesn't matter. You had a situation with Kelly Bryant, and you also had a situation with Trevor Lawrence, where Trevor Lawrence had to take over at Clemson, and the Tigers just kept on trucking. Ohio State. Lost Tate Martell. Had Dwayne Haskins for a season. Brings in Justin Fields. They look crisp. They look like they could be world beaters again. Where are you at? You need a signature win. You need something to get yourself going. It could happen today at Camp Randall. Tough place to play. Well-coached football team, smart football team, getting themselves off a deck after a disappointing season. I love Paul Chris, but if you go up there and you get beat by Paul Chris, is it ho-hum, it's tough to win at Camp Randall? Because that is not acceptable, and it's never been acceptable before Jim Harbaugh showed up, it seems, to lose up at Camp Randall. To lose regular Big Ten football games. It should not be an acceptable thing for Michigan. And constantly, above any other program, because they don't need to make the excuses, I keep hearing excuses. Academic standards. So what? If you don't like it, go back to the NFL where it's safe and guys don't have to take tests. Ohio State might be a little bit of an easier school to get into. You know what they also did? Pounded your ass into oblivion on national television last year. You think anybody gives a damn about a biology test in America when it comes to your job and your salary and what you made to do? Because you weren't paid to just enrich lives there, Haas. You were paid to beat Ohio State and most notably to beat Urban Meyer, which you failed in. Quarterbacks, again, see Lincoln Riley, see Nick Saban, see Dabo Sweeney, see Urban Meyer, see all those guys that, again, you were paid to go out and beat being the head coach of Michigan. You name it, Jim has an excuse for it. I hope this is the year where something happens, where Jim Harbaugh finally fulfills the prophecy as a Michigan man, as that guy, and puts Michigan back where they're supposed to be, which is not disappointing Top flight football, number one through number five in the country the entire year. Or this is the year, and it probably could happen if you lose to Ryan Day. Because you were, again, for the third time, paid to beat Urban Meyer, not paid to beat Ryan Day. But if you lose to Ryan Day this year, maybe you just need to come to the realization that you need to go back to the NFL. 
where you don't have to make excuses for yourself. You don't have to talk about academic standards and recruiting trips and shirtless catch and staying the night over at recruits' houses and some weird type of, of, of sleepover where you got the tents and, and the s'mores and the milk and cookies. You don't have to do any of that stuff. No more excuses. You can just line them up, have a salary cap, have a draft, and go play professional football again. You'll always be known as a guy who didn't fulfill the promises at Michigan. Can't call you a failure. You've averaged nine and a half wins a season. But you're taking over one of the most prolific programs in all of college football history, which means in all of sports history. You're damn right. Ohio State should mean more. And you should be at a better level and not giving me excuses. 855-212-4CBS. Five burning questions up next. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Two things before five burning questions. One, want to welcome in the fine folks of Cleveland, Ohio, listening on 92.3 The Fan. Lima will be on at 2 p.m. later on today from 2 to 6. As you're listening on CBS Sports Radio 2, after my great big Jim Harbaugh ran, Michigan already down 7 nothing to Wisconsin. And looking back at this drive, because I had my head turned because I was talking to you fine folks, it seemed that Jonathan Taylor and this Wisconsin offense just grinded them out. I tell you what, Wisconsin, man, there's three things you can't beat with Wisconsin that they do better than anything else. Cheese, offensive linemen, and serial killers. Wisconsin's got y'all, man. Are we ready for five burning questions? Yikes. I think they've begun. Let's do it, baby. Go ahead. (laughs) All right. Jalen Ramsey, the star cornerback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, had an interesting week after last weekend we saw him fighting with Coach Doug Marone on the sideline. Then apparently he demanded a trade. Apparently it's not about Doug Marone. It's about the front office and Tom Coughlin. Uh, He was expected to be traded possibly before the Thursday night game that he ended up playing in. Then he was expected to be possibly traded yesterday, but he's still a Jacksonville Jaguar. Ken, will Jalen Ramsey get traded, and what will the haul look like? What will it take to get him? Well, they want two ones, and it comes down to somebody being, because if it's an arms race, I would expect it sooner than later, right? So, and I, I got to hand it to him. I love what the Jaguars did when they put him up there and made, okay, you want traded? We're going to put you in front of the media. You got to say it in front of your teammates and everybody. I was like, okay, I like this move. Good, strong stuff. If you want out, you better be willing to say you want out, buddy boy. Uh, I do think he'll be traded. I think somebody will meet that quote. Uh, it will take some games on Sunday tomorrow. Might take an injury. He's a top-flight cornerback. I think somebody might be willing to give it up. Draft picks. I was obsessed with draft picks for 15 years because my team sucked. And that's all you had to look forward to was draft picks. Now, it's like, why draft picks when I just want a player as good as Jalen Ramsey? That's why I didn't understand the whole Raiders trade. You're, you want draft picks when you just want to draft a guy as good as Khalil Mack, you already have Khalil Mack. doesn't make any sense, but people look at drafts as good ideas. It's the same reason why people lose a deal or no deal. Just take the money. Don't be a dummy. Just take it. Next. All right, so the NBA and Adam Silver announced some anti-tampering measures yesterday that have been met with with some surprise. He said, Ah. there needs to be consequences when the rules are violated. And he said the league is willing to suspend executives, take away draft picks, void contracts for teams that don't comply to anti-tampering rules. And the kicker is that he says the league, although it's not their plan A, will have the power to confiscate phones and tablets. 
uh, to, I guess, essentially look at internal communications. <laughs> so I have a, a lot of questions I could go off of this, but will these tampering rules be enforced? Will they be at all effective? Will they have any impact on the way that NBA free agency and player movement uh, operates? You're gonna Are they going to seize the phone, your personal phone? <laughs> That's apparently a power that he is claiming, yes. They can do that? According to Adam Silver, again, it's not plan A, but they can do it. I, I think you can ask for a phone. I don't know if you can just take the phone from a person. You're not the government. You're not. This isn't a criminal investigation. You're the NBA. I, I don't think you can do that. Well, just like the NFL, then they have the res- they reserve the right to suspend you. So Tom they Brady doesn't sus- want to they, turn they over can, his phone yeah, or wants to tamper true. with his phone. You're suspended. That's true. They can do that. I But if a person's willing to deal with a suspension, like if, if I'm trying to get – if I'm trying to Imagine get Pat uh, Riley, they say, yeah, Pat Riley, yeah. turn over your phone. <laughs> you yeah, you're going to get cussed picks. out. You are going to get yeah. cussed out by Pat Riley. I, honestly, say you're trying to get Kawhi Leonard. If I get Kawhi Leonard, fine, I'll take the suspension. Isn't that what it is? I got Kawhi Leonard. I don't care. Suspend me for a year. Find me, quote unquote, a million dollars. I got Kawhi Leonard on my basketball team. Okay. Well, in theory, the way that would work is like you, they'd take Steve Ballmer's phone and they'd find some inappropriate communication between Steve Ballmer and Kawhi Leonard. Not that I'm saying this happened, but in theory, oh, then, well. the, then the league would step in and void the contract. That's what still would no, Still nowhere near the worst thing a Clippers owner has ever done. So still, you got Kawhi not. Leonard. Next. Oh, by well, to answer the question though, I, I think it is meaningless still until until I actually see some sort of rock scandal out of it, which we won't. Uh, I think it is meaningless. So to answer the question, there you go. Sorry there, Tom. Go ahead, buddy. Number three. All right. To jump back to the Jacksonville Jaguars, everybody's favorite new quarterback, Gardner Minshew, is now two games into his career. Seventy-three point nine completion percentage, five touchdowns, one interception, a QB rating of one ten point six. A lot is being made about how the draft community missed him. He's a sixth-round pick. and A lot's uh, being made. You're making yada, a lot yada, out of yada, the draft yada. community missed him. Am I? Yeah, That's you were cool. telling me earlier. It's, I'm, it's all I'm seeing, and since mm-hmm. I posit my own opinions on this front, I have a, I, we could get into the reason why he was a sixth-round pick. My question for you <laughs> is, will he make it to Week 17 as the Jag starter? Oh, well, you're talking health, right? I can't foresee health. As, I'm as far as health player, or play. Oh, what are you losing? They are they're doing it right. They're not asking him to to throw all over the place. Uh he he's what threw for two hundred yards on Thursday and two touchdowns. Doesn't take much to beat that Titans team. But I, I think the bigger question is about Marcus Mariota. He looked like a dry fart in the red zone last week. Did you see that Thursday night? Oh yeah, of course. It's painful. And you but there and is I'm a, a big difference guy, here. But Mariota, it's the end of the road here. Mariota throws for no touchdowns and three hundred yards. You get two touchdowns in the first half, then nothing in the second half by Minshew. Minshew's a rookie in a six-round pick. The other guy's number two overall. So we're looking at a little bit different here. So I think for Minshew, I don't expect much to begin with. Everything else is just icing on the cake. So I like what he's done. They haven't. I think Doug Marone's done a good job of, of setting him up for success. Maybe later on you open up the offense, especially as defenses start to figure out. Maybe you press a little bit and open up the offense. But I, I'll take what I'm getting right now from Gardner Minshew. And hell, maybe if he if he can keep it going and they don't trade Jalen Ramsey, maybe they're able to rip off another one. All of a sudden, you're two and two, and then maybe you're able to convince Jalen to stick around. Who knows? But um, you still went and got Nick Foles for a reason. But this kid's only as a rookie, so we'll see how he turns into something. I I just don't want to say, oh, he's the king or ah, fat chance just yet. He's a nice story. He's got a great mustache and seems to be a lot of fun. 
All right, Reggie Bush made his triumphant return to the Coliseum last night. Now, he is technically banned from the USC sidelines unless he's there for work. He was there broadcasting the game with FS1. He made headlines, honestly, all night on this broadcast, beginning with the pregame when he said, quote, I see too many guys from USC out here warming up with their shirts off, other guys with shirts on their heads. It doesn't look like a team. This is a team sport. Put your shirt on. You're not undefeated. Put some clothes on and look like a football team, end quote. So uh, does Reggie have a, a point there? They won, didn't they? They sure did. Big win. So I guess they look like a football team. <laughs> if they beat Utah, Utah was saying, we were hearing rumors before this game that Clay Holt was going to get canned if they looked bad. And they didn't even expect him to beat Utah and that they were afraid they were going to look bad while losing to Utah. So, and they were going to fire Clay Helton because of that. So, I hey, I guess I would like everybody to have their shirts on, but uh, I, I thought this was going to be a different conversation. I thought we were going to go NCAA and, and USC with this about Reggie Bush and whether or not he's welcome on the sidelines of a football game because, you know, even though that they gave him a house and they gave his family jobs and cars, I guess that really erases what Reggie Bush actually did on the football field somehow, right? I was fully confident you'd get there, Ken. You Thank you. Yeah. I I had to because it's it's just simply stupid. It was also hey, a t- Reggie, Reggie, Reggie chant later in the game, exactly. and one of the touchdowns, a, a player ran through the end zone to celebrate with him, and 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 gave him a great big gave him a great big hum, uh, a hug. Almost said humble a hug. Yeah, it it's the same thing as the Fab Five. Well, we took down the banner, so we don't know that they were ever there. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I guess I don't I'm not a I don't care. If you, if you guys don't wear shirts, you guys don't wear shirts. I I would leave my shirt on because I know what I look like and I'm a bit bashful. The only place I take my shirt off in public is in the pool. But I would leave my shirt on. If they want to take their shirts off, I'm sure they're all finely tuned athletic machines who have got great bodies. You can take your shirt off. Next. Okay, one more from the college realm. So the Kansas basketball program is supposedly expected to be hit with multiple major violations by the NCAA. Now, this is a story that is broken over and over again. It seems like for the last year and a half, almost two years, we've been hearing that this is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas has denied everything, but the, the uh, what's suspected here is pretty freaking serious. Um do you think this will be the end of Bill Self in Kansas, or do you think this will blow over? Plausible deniability, my friend. Plausible deniability. They set these things up. I'm not saying that he's innocent. I don't think that Bill Self is innocent. I know there's a couple of things that really look damning for Bill Self, but plausible deniability. As long as he can deny, you can't cut the head off the snake. That's what these things are set up for. Rick Patino, eh, there's a problem there. But for a guy like Bill Self, he ain't dumb. You're going to protect yourself. You got to cheat to win, especially in college basketball, and you got to make sure that you can deny it. Mike Shashevsky, John Calipari, and Bill Self, they all know it. I think he'll end up being okay. I'd be very surprised if something big happened this week with him. And that is five burning questions. Tom? That has been five burning questions. All right. I, I lose count sometimes, so I didn't make I had to make sure that there were five of them. Wonderful as always, Tom. Absolutely wonderful as always. Showtime Sean Porter. He's gonna join us coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. We'll talk about his big fight coming up against Errol Spence. That's next week. He is trying to defend his title. We'll talk boxing overall with the great Sean Porter coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern. Up next, Big Ben has the biggest challenge ahead for himself and for Steelers fans. 
You hope it's not the end. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Sunday, it's an NFL doubleheader on CBS. First, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They open their 2019 home schedule against Lamar Jackson, the red-hot Lamar Jackson, and the Baltimore Ravens. Then, Teddy Bridgewater taking the reins of the Saints. They head to Seattle for a late afternoon showdown with the Seahawks. A full day of football starts with JB and the guys on the NFL Today on CBS. Coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Showtime, Sean Porter. We'll talk about his title defense. Getting ready to do some boxing on Saturday and the state of boxing overall. I think the heavyweights are going to carry the sport. And right now we got some pretty convincing, fun heavyweights to talk about. So we'll talk about all that with Sean Porter coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. A couple of people getting in about what we said about Jim Harbaugh. Again, Michigan down 7 nothing right now to Wisconsin. Clay Helton already has a signature win. I'm looking for Jim Harbaugh. And somebody had brought in, and, and I, I said, I, I don't think I don't think that he's been a failure because he's won nine and a half games a year. If you leave after losing, losing to Ohio State, you lost four straight times to Urban Meyer, you lose one time to Ryan Day, and then you were to leave, hey, you're 0-5 against what is supposed to be your biggest rival on there. That's a failure. That's not a job that's done. You were brought in already, and you could even say if you beat Ryan Day and then you leave, you could still make the argument. You were paid to beat Urban Meyer. You were not paid to beat Ryan Day. And to make this claim, and I love what Braylon Edwards said about it, to make this claim, well, we treat everybody, we, we treat them like we would any other game in the schedule. What he and Brady Hoke are trying to say is, we take, we take Wisconsin and Indiana just as seriously as we take Ohio State. Deathly seriously. No, you don't. You shouldn't anyway. And I'm just extremely tired of the excuses. I don't know what else Michigan does. If if you have a poor season this year, if they lose to Ohio State and Ryan Day again, which, boy, just judging by the first three games, they very well could. Justin Fields looks like he's the real deal. And they look sharper than they had in a few years with Urban Meyer over these first three games. They haven't played anybody. But they've looked pretty sharp. You're supposed to be, when they brought you to Michigan, coming from a Super Bowl run in the NFL, let's let's call it what it is. You did a great job at Stanford. You were supposed to be and bring Michigan back to Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, Michigan. That was supposed to be in that mix. You're not in that mix. And instead of signature wins and big bowl games, which have also been horrific losses, I've heard more excuses from you. This guy's got more excuses than any college coach out there. And that's something because a lot of college coaches have horrible excuses. He's got a ton of them. Well, I don't have a quarterback. Lincoln Riley just invents him in a lab, it seems. Well, we got high academic standards. Yeah, because we've been able to give that excuse to Brian Kelly. Not at all. They're playing Georgia. And what do we say about that? Your whole season relies on this game against the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't give Brian Kelly that quarter. Last time I checked, Notre Dame's a pretty damn hard school to get into. So why am I giving that to Michigan? I know Michigan's a good academic school. Too bad. Go pound sand. Don't care. And if you want to sit there and give me excuses about Ohio State, well, Ohio State, they're not as hard to get into. Okay, that's going to wash. That's that's what you want out of, out of one of the greatest rivalries in college sports, huh? Well, their school's easier to get into, so we have an excuse to get our asses pounded into the ground like we did last year. All right. That's cool. More shirtless catch, more sleepovers with recruits, less wins, less bowl wins. Okay. 
I just want to point that out. Paul, the guy you're playing against right now, Paul Christie, don't make those excuses. Not at all. And Wisconsin is not supposed to be on the same par as what Michigan is. 855-212-4CBS. So, Jonathan Taylor just popped off a huge touchdown. Are run. you serious? Yep. I'm looking off into oblivion. It's 13 nothing Wisconsin. Told you. Three things. It was Jonathan Taylor who popped off that run, huh? That's right. I bet. Guess who sprung him? yards. Let's see this. Hold on. I'm not supposed to do live play-by-play, but what the hell? Now I'm, I don't have this on. I don't have this on the sound right now. What, what do we got here? We got a man in motion. Look at it. Look at the lineman on the sweep. Look at the pull. Did you see the pull? Did you see the pull, Tom? Yeah, and they got that trap action working oh, today. They got Michigan God. linebackers completely oh, lost. The seal that the left and right guard, left and the left tackle and the left guard made. Absolutely beautiful. Told you there's three things you can't beat from Wisconsin. Cheese, their linemen, and serial killers. They're just better than anybody else in those three th- those three categories. Man. Mi- oh, Wisconsin linemen. I love Wisconsin linemen. All right, so 14 nothing. I'm sure we'll hear plenty of excuses after this one if this one ends up being a beating. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. I'm just saying... There's good NFL jobs out there. You don't have to recruit anymore, Jim. The only thing you have to worry about is the draft. You can have somebody else draft for you. I'm not saying Jim Harbaugh is a bad head coach. But up here in Michigan, where you're supposed to have a standard, eh, that's a big meh there, buddy. Ben Roethlisberger's on the mend. The biggest challenge is ahead. For himself, for Steelers fans, you got to hope it's not the end. I think overall, I think this is the worst thing for Steelers fans, because right now you're you're a you're a fan without a country. You're an 0 2 football team. You have Ed Bouchette out there who's saying that you should have tanked, that you should have went out and gotten Minka Fitzpatrick. Because to me, I think the the job of of getting Minka Fitzpatrick, I think that's a huge vote of confidence for Mason Rudolph. I think that they still do not take Lamar Jackson that seriously in the division right now, or Baker Mayfield that seriously in the division. They certainly don't respect the Bengals the way they used to respect the Bengals, and they're having it. I don't think they respect themselves the way they used to. For the Steelers, I think that when they went out and they got Minka Fitzpatrick, and I argued this with Andrew Filipponi, who you'll be able to hear at this time slot tomorrow. Pony hates the move. And my thought was the same thing you might think for Jalen Ramsey, and their history has been even worse. Bud Dupree has been rough, to say the least, and Pony would go as far to say he sucks. You've had first-round picks that have not turned out the way you wanted them. Artie Burns hasn't really turned out the way you wanted them. So if you go out and get a Minka Fitzpatrick who's played pretty well, well, wouldn't you just want your draft pick to play as well as what you have with Minka Fitzpatrick? It's a vote of confidence for Mason Rudolph. They like Mason Rudolph. A lot of fans really like him. You got 14 more games to go. Maybe you can turn around. Maybe tanking's not the real issue there, and we'll get to that here in a second as well. But for Steelers fans... You don't know about Rudolph just yet. You might feel very confident about him, but you don't know. You're 0-2 right now. We always bring out the stats of 0-2 and how hard it is to make the playoffs. You're not justified on A.B. or Lev Bell. That was the whole revenge tour this year. Le'Veon Bell left him high and dry. And then then Antonio Brown acted like a complete and utter idiot. So then you had to have this revenge tour of what you were going to do this year. Then you got boat raced by the Patriots, and you lost last week, but Ben Roethlisberger went down. So there's no vindication. You don't make the playoffs. I can't use that argument against you. You didn't have your biggest gun. And, and we know there's fans like this out in Pittsburgh. You can't fire Mike Tomlin after this. You'll want him fired. 
if they win six games this year and are six and ten and, and not good and Mason Rudolph isn't that good and those defensive players isn't that good, you'll you'll want Mike Tomlin fired. You've wanted Mike Tomlin fired for a long time. They're not gonna fire Mike Tomlin over this. If you go two and fourteen or something like that, maybe you'd fire Mike Tomlin. The Steelers don't fire people. At least not coaches and general managers. They really don't. You're not going to get your wish. So right now, it seems to be, for a for a Steelers fan, and we'll see what you do against San Francisco to start things off with Mason Rudolph, it'll either be a year of new beginnings, a new era of Steeler football, or it's going to be a lame duck season. You can't fire your head coach. You're not going to fire your general manager. You just made a move for Minka Fitzpatrick, so you're not going to have that first-round pick. There's so many things that fall into place, and you have a division that... Looks like Lamar Jackson could take it over, and I know it's been a couple of rough weeks for Baker Mayfield. Well, game and a game and a quarter for Baker Mayfield. We'll see what he can do. You could be pulling up third in that quarterback conversation right now, or even fourth, depending on what Andy Dalton does for the rest of the time. Right now, I can't believe it. It's tough to say for a Steelers fan. I guess it kind of sucks to be you, unless Mason Rudolph goes out there and plays well. There's another conversation that goes with it, because I think Big Ben isn't the only one at a crossroads. Cam Newton, we brought this up last week at the end of the show. It became a national talking point. Paul Feinbaum brought it up. Eli Manning, another conversation we had for 40 minutes of whether or not Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. I think it's proof to you that one game can make a difference. That a Super Bowl performance can make a difference for a guy. If you've performed well in one Super Bowl and then you're turds for the rest of your career, you're not a Hall of Famer. But you look at what Eli Manning's conducted during his entire career. Good stats. I know the last four years have not been good. Good stats. Has kept them competitive. Has won two Super Bowls over the greatest dynasty in NFL history. Two Super Bowls during that time. Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. Cam Newton. One Super Bowl performance. Known for a business decision. Now it looks like it could be the end for Cam Newton. I can't ask Cam Newton. They've already tried to do it before. I can't ask Cam Newton to go back and try to relearn being a quarterback. What made Cam Newton special is a monstrous 6'5 frame with a cannon arm who can take off and run and bowl over linebackers and get me a first down and change the complexion of an offense. That's the difference of what Cam Newton has brought to the NFL. Too far in and with too many injuries, I can't ask him to go back and relearn being a quarterback and make him a pocket passer. They've tried that three times already. And they've had to bail each time because they were taking on water and losing football games, and they had to put some hay in the barn and win some football games and save their own jobs. What right we might be seeing right now is the end of the Cam Newton career. I don't think he's getting any better. And if he's not getting any better because of the injuries, what's the point of coming back? Eli Manning, we've learned this so strongly over the last couple of years. Eli Manning desperately wants to reignite what happened years ago against the Patriots. What happened even before that against the Patriots as well. Knowing that there's glorious football in there somewhere, but he has spent his waning years searching for any shrivel of a doubt, for anything that he could find to bring back that football. Cam Newton faces the same challenge. Right now you have a lame duck football team. Speaking of lame ducks, you have a lame duck football team that's 0-2. That if it gets any worse, I still say you let the season finish out with Ron Rivera. I don't know the point of changing him out. And with Cam Newton, I'd let Cam Newton come back and finish the season. And then at the end of the year, Ron Rivera goes, and Cam Newton, hopefully he steps away from the game because I don't think it's getting any better.
We have drained the lifeblood. Auto accidents, major injuries, good play, one terrible business decision during a Super Bowl. We got to admit it. That sums up Cam Newton's career. And it just shows you. Lynn Swan's a Hall of Famer. Great postseason yards, great postseason stats, an unbelievable play where we'll remember forever. The first thing you think of is Lynn Swan. When it comes to Eli Manning, the first thing I still think of is what he did in the Super Bowls against the New England Patriots twice. For Cam Newton, he's played prolific quarterback at times. But we remember a business decision. When we think about Hall of Famers, and when we think about guys who have their bust in Trine and Canton, it's not just stats. It's the story that goes with it. Lynn Swan has a story. Julian Edelman, who many people make such a very passionate plea for, who's never been a pro bowler, never been an all-pro, people make passionate pleas for him because they saw it with their own eyes in multiple playoff games and in multiple Super Bowls. He was that great. Well, if I'm giving those guys the benefit of the doubt and putting them in, I look at I look at Cam Newton, I go, man, I'll never forget you coming up short on that loose ball. For Eli Manning, I'll never forget that pass to David Tyree. I know Tyree had to catch it, and he made a hell of a catch. I'll never forget that pass to Mario Manningham. I'll never forget you having the pills to stare down the greatest dynasty and beat them twice. It's amazing the difference in play. We pine so much for these guys. And I think now more than ever, the line, and it's become much more exclusive than ever, the line between good and bad is as thick as it's ever been for a quarterback, and there are far less great quarterbacks now than there have ever been. We're calling Eli Manning garbage? Over the last couple of years, I can't deny it. For an entire career, it's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Coming up next, we got Showtime Sean Porter after that. No, I still don't think Antonio Brown wants to play, and I was dead-ass right about that a couple weeks ago. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.